0: Get ready, America. This is Declaring Liberty. Hello again, everyone. I am Mark Pantano, and this is Declaring Liberty, the podcast where the Constitution matters, and we give absolutely... No quarter whatsoever to stupid people. And as I like to do, let's start off with stupid people. Now, I don't know about you all, but as I follow the politics, especially the politics on the Democrat side, I am simultaneously amused and terrified. These people are, as we all know, batshit crazy. There is simply no disputing this, and they are becoming more so with each passing day. Now, that certainly does provide for a lot of amusement, I must say. However, if these people ever get their hands on power again, and they're going to, let's be honest, it's, it's going to happen, that's a scary proposition indeed. When you take a look at some of the things that these people are pushing, it's scary. It's truly scary how far left they have moved so quickly. We're getting to the point where we're going to look back on Barack Obama and view him as a right-wing extremist the way this Democrat party is going. I mean, we even had a Democrat representative the other day attacking Obama. Calling him a a warmonger or a murderer or something, and that hope and change is all BS. Well, I do agree with that. Hope and change is all BS. But it just shows you how far they have come so quickly. I mean, there's, it wasn't that long ago that the idea of saying a negative word of any kind about Barack Obama would get you booted out of the party. But uh, no more. Because Barack Obama is not left-wing enough for the modern Democrat Party. What we all need to be hoping for, and what may very well happen, is that the Democrat Party, as it continues to move left and say the most ridiculous things, and these Democrat candidates for president are going to drive this thing further and further to the left. I've... I've mentioned to you all that I think this Democrat primary is just going to be a constant battle of one-upsmanship on their side. In order to get press attention, in order to get the donor dollars, in order to get support among the crazies that make up the Democrat base, the only way to stand out in, in, in a field of 534 candidates like they have or you know thereabouts. It might be, it might be slightly fewer than 534. But I'm not far off. But the only way to stand out in a group of nuts that large is to be more of a nut. I mean, you could stand out by being a rational, sane person. That'll make you stand out, but that's not going to get you any support. And I think, you know, if I if I might uh, bring this up real quick. I think that's why Michael Bloomberg decided against running. He he was toying with it for a while, and it looked like he was going to run. And then uh, last week, he said he wasn't going to. And that followed some comments from him about, uh, you know, that the left was just going too far to the left. You know, Democrats were moving too far to the left. Similar, similar to some of the comments that Howard Schultz has been making. And uh, I suspect... That when Bloomberg made those sort of pragmatic statements, he he was attacked. And I think he realized that, you know, I, I, there's just, there's no way. I mean, I'm a crazy left winger. This is Michael Bloomberg talking. I'm a crazy left winger, but I'm not that freaking crazy. And I'm either going to have to become that crazy or appear that crazy or I have no shot. And uh, I think the guy just decided he he can't go that far, far to the left. And I think that's why he he has decided not to run. I mean, he's been thinking about running for president for a very long time. And for him to decide last week that he wasn't going to do it, I think that's the reason. So these people are going to constantly be battling to get further and further to the left to get noticed and get support. From the crazies in their base. That's the only way they're going to do it. And that's just going to be pushing them all. Further and further and further and further left. The problem for them. Is that. The American people. Are not that crazy far left. Now the American people. Have been moving that way. Based largely. On Republicans offering nothing. In terms of policy proposals, explanations, defense of the Constitution, defense of free market capitalism, defense of individual liberty. The American people don't hear any of that from the Republican Party, except one or two voices. But on balance, the Republican Party says squat. So they're not getting any pushback on this on this socialism progressivism stuff that we're getting from the democrat there's no pushback there's no answer to any of this stuff you couple that with the onslaught of the colleges and universities and our entire education system beginning in kindergarten and the decades of indoctrination taking taking the place of education in our in our schools this is all pushed the American people to the left. That being said, they're not that far left. And they're certainly not for all this craziness that the Democrats are proposing right now. So what may very well happen, what's the danger for the Democrats, is that they're going to finally be seen for what they are, and that's a bunch of loons. And that's not going to help them in 2020. I hope. I hope and I pray. Because if, God forbid, one of these nuts emerges from the Democrat primary, having staked out all these insane, lunatic, left wing positions, and then wins the presidency, uh, we are in for dark times. Dark times. Because the things they're proposing are not just, you know, things that don't make any sense. Oh, that won't work. That's too much money. No, these are things that, yes, they're it's not going to work, the things that they're proposing. They're not going to work in the way that these Democrats say they're going to work, like the Green New Deal, for example. That's not going to work. That's not going to, you know, that's what they say they want to achieve by that. That's not going to be achieved. They're going to destroy our economy if they do that. And not only will they destroy our economy, they will steal your property and your liberty. Because that's the only way they can impose the kinds of craziness that they're talking about. I mean, when we're talking about controlling how many friggin' hamburgers you eat, we're talking about a level of government control that is downright scary and should scare the hell out of every one of you. And it's not just the Green New Deal. It's pretty much everything that they propose. It's either massively expensive or greatly limits your freedom, your individual liberty, or both. There's nothing that any of them are proposing that secures your liberty, that expands your liberty. No, nothing. Not a single thing. So... It would be scary as hell if one of these nuts actually wins the presidency. What we need to, you know, what, what what needs to happen for the good of this country is that these people just are finally perceived as the nuts that they are by enough of the American people. That Trump is reelected. Hopefully, we take back the House. Hopefully, we expand our majority in the Senate. And then these leftists, the Democrat party made up of lunatics, finally pulls back. Because as much as I would be happy to have Democrats be seen as loons and we win these elections, what's, what's going to happen is eventually they're going to win an election. Maybe many elections. And there's a lot of reasons that I think that's probably going to happen Regardless of how loony they sound. And I've touched on this before and I'll touch on it more again in, in, uh, in the future. But, but that has to do with the changing demographics of this country largely through unfettered immigration. We are changing the citizenry of the country. So when we're talking about the American people aren't going to buy this. Well the American people don't have to buy it. They don't have to buy into all this craziness for the Democrats to eventually take control of this country. Because the American people are being replaced by new people. And those people are buying it. And eventually, those people are all going to be voting. And those people, coupled with the American people who are just dumb as a post or batshit crazy, you couple those two groups and they're going to have a majority. They're already on the verge, as I said before, and I'm going to keep saying it until until people start really taking this seriously. And I know most of you listening to me right now take this seriously. But I don't, you know, we're at alarm time here as far as I'm concerned, electorally. We are at alarm time. And people, you know, a lot of people push back on me on this because they, they think, oh, well, well, Trump won. How do you explain that? Trump won if the country's moving left. Well, genius, the country is moving left and Trump won. Those two things aren't mutually exclusive. Trump barely won. I know I know. a lot of people like to think that it was a huge victory, but it wasn't. The Electoral College victory seemed a lot bigger than than it actually was. Look, he lost the popular vote. And don't give me, you know... But it was illegal votes in California. Yeah, maybe, maybe. But he still lost the popular vote. Maybe by a lot less than they claim that he lost. It doesn't matter. Even if he won the popular vote by a small margin. It was a super close election. And the the reason for the seemingly big win in the electoral college is because we got a few states that flipped. But I don't think that was a long-term flip. I hope it's a long-term flip, I hope these people are waking up, but it doesn't necessarily mean that it's a long-term flip. And even if it is a long-term flip, and I'm talking about places like Pennsylvania, Michigan, and Wisconsin, those are going to be overwhelmed by the states that the left is flipping. They're on the verge of flipping Texas, they're on the verge of flipping Arizona, Florida, Georgia. North Carolina, when these states go, and we are very close to those states going, when that happens, it's all over. It doesn't matter if Mi- Michigan, Wisconsin, and Pennsylvania stay in the red column, which there are a lot of reasons to believe that, you know, whether Trump wins re election in 2020 or not, uh, there's a lot of indications to believe that th- those aren't going to stay in the red column. But even if they do, we will have no chance at victory for the White House if those other states, Texas, Georgia, Arizona, Florida, North Carolina, once those states go, we have no path to victory. So we've got some serious problems. The point is, it doesn't matter how crazy the left goes. It doesn't matter how far left they go. The American people are being replaced by people who are Coming here legally and illegally, and because of our ridiculous laws, our ridiculous immigration laws, especially the birthright citizen non- citizenship nonsense, which is not a constitutional requirement, we are not required to give citizenship to anyone who was born on our soil. Some kid is born in some South Texas hospital, two hours after his mother. Jumped our border. This kid gestated for nine months in Mexico in the womb of his Mexican mother. Mama runs over the border, pops out a kid two hours later, and that kid is an American citizen. That's insanity. And the Constitution does not require that. That's a lie. It has been, that's the result of just some bureaucratic. ...thing they started doing several decades ago. It wasn't pursuant to a law. It's not even a legal requirement, let alone a constitutional requirement. It was just some bureaucrat in some agency. We don't even know when and where it began exactly. We just started doing it, and that's the way it's been done. And now we act like it's a federal law. Now we act like it's a constitutional requirement. There was some talk a while back. President Trump, in some interview... Mentioned this, that he it was something he was considering or was going to do, and that is issue an executive order directing the federal government, the executive branch, to treat the 14th Amendment as not requiring birthright citizenship. And he'd be perfectly within his authority to do that. He's not changing any law. He is giving clarity on the interpretation of existing law. Law that does not require us to be giving birthright citizenship to the children of illegal aliens. So, I hope he does that. He should have done it a long time ago, in my opinion. Every Republican president should have done that a long time ago. Because it's absurd. And it's destroying this country, if you want to know the truth about it. But so... These Democrats really are, God forbid, that they ever get their hands on power. And we're going to highlight a a little bit of some of this insanity. I've got a few clips here. You know, they've got this South by Southwest conference down there in the People's Republic of Austin, Texas. And if you want to see nuts on parade, spend a little time in Austin, Texas. A beautiful city that's not going to remain beautiful for long. It's going to end up being the San Francisco of Texas because the the liberals who dominate that town are every bit as crazy as the San Francisco leftists, if not more so. I'm telling you, these people are nuts. I lived in Texas for quite a while, and Austin is nutcase central. Now... You know it's important to be a victim. You know, that's how you get power in America today. That's how you get attention in America today. Well, if you're the right kind of victim. You know, if you're you're a 16-year-old kid from Kentucky on a field trip to the National Mall and you get accosted by an elderly Native American man and a group of black racists and you're wearing a MAGA hat, well, <laughs> you're not the right kind of victim. So, to hell with you. Oh, and by the way, CNN just got sued for a quarter of a billion dollars. I love that. This is, um, you know, this, this, this was all the defamation against this these Covington kids. Well, attorney Lynn Wood, who's representing Nicholas Sandman, he appeared on... Life, Liberty, and Levin with Mark Levin on the weekend. And he just, uh, he talked all about the case. And he announced, and, and it's come out since, that uh, he was going to be suing CNN for $250 million. So I, I hope they're successful with that because that was an outrage. But so anyways, you got to be the right kind of victim. But that being said, being a victim is your path to success in this country, especially on the Democrat side. And if you want to become the Democrat nominee for president of the United States, well, then you better be a victim because we only promote victims around here. So you better find a way that you've been victimized by evil white people. And so we have Democrat candidates lining up on the left to tell us how they've been a victim of something. And we've got the white guys sucking up and and apologizing for their whiteness and their maleness and it's really quite amusing so let's start off with tulsi gabbard she is this congresswoman from hawaii and she is a hindu and she experiences a very special kind of discrimination and so let's, let's hear her tell us about
1: it. As a practicing Hindu, uh, I have been on the receiving end of Hindu phobia and bigoted attacks. Unfortunately, even now, as I stand before you here today and running for president, those Hindu phobic attacks continue. Attacks against Christians, Muslims, Jews, atheists, people of all different religions cannot be allowed to stand, and what is most important is to lead from the front. Yes, as President of the United States, I will do that in calling out and condemning those bigoted attacks, but this is something that each and every one of us has the opportunity to do when we are confronted with such bigotry. It is only when we stand together and speak out against and condemn this kind of bigotry and the violent acts that sometimes occur as a result that we can actually change, make that real change we know we need to see.
0: Wow. Hindu phobia sounds scary. I don't know about you, but I'm calling bullshit on this one. I don't buy it for a second. I don't see a real big problem with Hindu phobia in this country. So much so that that's the first time I've ever even heard the word Hindu phobia. Have you heard the the word Hinduphobia? Have you ever used it? Have you ever heard anyone use it? Do you know anyone who's ever used the word Hinduphobia? Have you ever heard it on TV? I haven't. You know why? Because it's not really a freaking problem. This is BS. This is Tulsi Gabbard trying to get a one-up on the victim thing. She's decided, apparently, that, you know, last time Hillary Clinton tried to ride the, you know, I'm going to be the first female president, and I'm the victim of sexism. And <laughs> Well, she tried that, and that didn't get her over the finish line. So, Tulsi Gabbard's looking at this, and she's thinking, you know, it might not be enough just to be a woman. I'm going to have to come up with something. Well, I am a Hindu. I am a Hindu, or at least I identify as one. I don't know, really. She might be practicing Hindu I have no idea but you never know with people on the left that's the thing they identify as one thing one day one thing else you know something else the next day they'll identify as whatever they need to to get whatever they want so yeah whatever let's but let's just so she's Hindu she identifies as Hindu so there's her ticket I'm gonna add Hindu to the I'm a victim of Hindu phobia uh, every day, I have I am the victim. Every single day, I get hate emails, and I get accosted on the street because I am a Hindu. How the hell would anyone even know that she's a Hindu? And who who is giving her a hard time for being a Hindu? Really? If I'm up this, so she was up on stage with, I don't know, was it Jake Tapper? I don't know. This was a CNN town hall, so it was. Probably Jake Tapper. If I'm up there asking Tulsi Gabbard questions and she pops off with this Hindu phobia thing, I'm gonna ask for an example of some of this Hindu phobia. Give me an example, uh, little Tulsi. Give me an example of how you've been uh, discriminated against or some of this uh, bias and stuff that you that you suffer because of your Hinduism. Give me an, give me a recent example. I mean, obviously, as you said, this is happening to you all the time, even now. So certainly, you've got an example at the ready. I mean, how about just yesterday? Let's just take yesterday. What happened to you yesterday? How were you mistreated for being a Hindu yesterday? That's, you know, ask her a question, man. This is why the media is so pathetic. These Democrats can just get away with saying anything. Hindu phobia. She's not the victim of Hindu phobia. Please. And let me ask you another question. Do you even recognize the country that these Democrats describe? I mean, I don't. To listen to any one of these Democrats, whether they're running for president, whether they're in Congress, whether on, they're on your local school board, they all sound exactly the same, and they all say the same thing. And that is there's racism everywhere. There's sexism everywhere. There's homophobia and transphobia and hindu-phobia. There's phobias all over the place. There's a bunch of KKKs and Nazis everywhere. What, that's what you would have to believe to listen to these people. It's just nothing but a bunch of racists, sexists, bigoted people just everywhere you look. Is that your experience? Now, there's, there's stupid people everywhere you look. If they were going around bemoaning all the stupid people, I could get on board with that. That's not what they're saying. Of course, why would they insult their own voters? They need the stupid people. The stupid people are drones walking around voting for leftists. But as far as these racists and sexists and bigots and Hindu phobic whatevers, they're not there. I'm not seeing these people. I'm sure there's one or two of them sitting in their mom's basement eating hot pockets yelling at mom to buy more iced tea while they're on their little hateful chat groups or whatever. But this is not the American people. This is not the America that you or I or any of these people know. They're full of shit. The America that they describe does not exist. And you need to ask yourself, why must they create that? Why must they create the illusion? Well, it's a rhetorical question because you all know the answer. But why must they create... This illusion of a racist, hateful, bigoted America. Well, it's because it's their only way to power. They can't run on their ideas. Because if we debate their ideas, we will debate them to their logical conclusions. And all of their ideas result in bankrupting the country. Result in destroying institutions. Result in Stealing more of your property, your money, and your freedom. So we can't debate their ideas. Can't do that. And they know they can't do that. So they've got to pit groups against each other. They've got to pit blacks against whites. And Hindus against whatever. But the point is they're, they're constantly pandering to certain groups and telling those groups... That they're discriminated against. And America hates you. And there's all this discrimination against you. And the only way that you can protect yourself against this discrimination is to vote for Democrats. And we'll punish those people who are discriminating against you. Well, it's all bull. We all know it's bull. They know it's bull. But their idiot voters don't know it's bull. And many of them, truth be told, know that it's bull too, but... Hey, you got to repeat the party line. Party before anything else. So it doesn't matter if your party is tearing down the country, creating all this racial resentment and hatred. It doesn't matter as long as your party's winning. That's all that matters. So that's Tulsi Gabbard. She's uh, going to ride the wave of Hindu phobia discrimination in this country all the way to the White House because we know that. Anti-Hindu discrimination is off the charts. And we need to do something about it, damn it. So, what better than to elect a Hindu to end it all? So, hail to the chief. Now, moving on to another leftist. How about Pete Buttapuke? You know this guy? He is the... I don't know if he's the current mayor or former mayor of South Bend, Indiana. I call him Buttapuke because, honestly, I don't know how the hell to pronounce his name. As a matter of fact, I'm not so sure that he knows how to pronounce his name. I've got a clip of him. It's it's from the South by Southwest conference, and CNN and all these leftist outlets are just down there drooling all over themselves. You've seen all these clips coming out of there from... Uh, Alexandria, Estupida, Cortez, and, and all of these leftists are flocking down there to suck up to the crazies in Austin. And so CNN's doing a bunch of town halls with these candidates. And I was watching this one with puke, and Jake Tapper asks him the correct way to pronounce his name. And honestly, I don't remember what he said. It was like, but did, but actually, I have no idea. I'll screw it up no matter what. But so Jake Tapper says, well, that's funny. You pronounce it however the hell he pronounced it. And he says, and your husband pronounces it a different way. So which is the correct way? So I'm just going with puke. If he and his husband can't even agree upon the proper pronunciation of the name, then I'm not even going to attempt it. So puke it is now. Reason I'm highlighting Butterpuke this morning is for some comments he made about Mike Pence. Now I didn't listen to this whole thing. I didn't listen to any of these in their entirety. I didn't listen to the whole thing of Tulsi Gabbard. I'm not going to do that to myself. I will sit through the debates, but that's about as much as I'm willing to tolerate. Other than that, I'll just you know I'll find these clips, and uh, one of the clips I found on Butterpuke had to do with him basically attacking Mike Pence for his professed Christianity. You know, according to Butterpuke, Vice President Pence is not sufficiently Christian or he's, you know, a hypocrite. Because he doesn't practice Christianity the way Butterpuke thinks he should practice Christianity. And if you don't practice Christianity the way we phony Christians say you should practice Christianity, then you're a hypocrite. You're a phony and we get to attack you. Even though we say that public discussion of religion is verboten. We don't tolerate it in this country. No religion. We have a First Amendment separation of church and state, don't you know? Even though it's nowhere in the Constitution, it doesn't matter. We say it. And so, therefore, no talk of religion. Unless, of course, we want to attack a Republican. Then, we're talking religion. Actually, we're not really going to talk religion. We're going to faux-talk religion. And that's what this little clip from Pete Butterpuke is about. Uh, why don't I just go ahead and play it? Here you go.
2: I mean, I don't know, it's really strange, because I used to at least believe that, that he believed in our... I've disagreed with him ferociously on these things, but I thought, well, at least he, he believes in our institutions and he's not personally corrupt. But then, um, but then how could he get on board with this presidency? How could somebody who, you know, he, his interpretation of Scripture is pretty different from mine to begin with. Okay, I, my understanding of Scripture is that it is about protecting the stranger and the prisoner, and the poor person, and that idea of welcome—that's—that's that's what I get in the gospel when, when I'm in church. And his has a lot more to do with with sexuality, and uh, I don't know a certain view of rectitude. But even if you buy into that, how could he allow himself to become the the cheerleader of the porn star presidency? Is it that he is it that he stopped believing in scripture when he started believing in Donald Trump? I don't know. I don't know.
0: Wow. Words of wisdom from Reverend Butterpuke. I didn't know the guy was so holy. I didn't know he was such a devotee of the scriptures. But he said scripture must have been like 15 times in that short clip. So he must know what he's talking about. I wonder, however, what do the uh, scriptures that you're so familiar with say about gay marriage, I wonder. That's a... That's a pickle, that one. It's funny, not that I care that he's gay, but it is funny to get lectures about Christianity from a guy who's married to another guy. Because I'm pretty sure Christianity has some very clear dictates about that. But, you know, pick and choose, pick and choose. They're not really religious anyway. And here's the thing, I don't even like talking about religion. On the podcast, it's not what it's about. I know a lot of people in the audience are not religious, and that's fine. And I don't make this show about religion. I only bring it up to respond to these people who are pushing their uh, their twisted, perverted views of religion in our faces. Only so far as to attack Republicans. That's the only time they bring up religion is to pretend to be religious in order to attack Republicans. That's their thing. And you know, I, I could have sworn that I've heard people on the left tell me that no church and state, the never the twain shall meet. Right? We're not supposed to discuss it at all. But here's buttapuke going on and on and on about scripture. I wonder what John Delaney would have to say
3: about that. Uh, I firmly believe in the separation of church and state. We'll stop.
0: Uh oh. Looks like uh, John Delaney might have a problem with uh, Reverend Butterpuke injecting religion into all this public policy debate stuff. I don't know. Looks like there might be some trouble on the Democrat side. I don't know if you know who John Delaney is, and I don't fault you if you you don't know who he is. He's a nobody backbencher you never heard of from Maryland, I believe. He's a congressman. But suddenly he's going to be president. I don't even think the people in his district know who the hell he is. But, you know, they go to the polls and they just see a D by his name to vote Democrat. So that's how John Delaney is in the Congress and thinks he's presidential material. Because he's got a bunch of drones who pull the lever for the D. But so the, so the, let me, uh, let's me let talk about John Delaney's full comments, though, shall we? Because there's, there's more that I'd like to address with this
3: guy. Uh... I firmly believe in the separation of church and state. Full stop. So, a, a lot of us get a lot of us get our values from our faith, right? A lot of us get values in terms of I'm, I'm Catholic. You know, my wife and I and our, our daughters were practicing Catholics, and and to some extent, some of the social justice orientation I have probably comes from that. But I don't think my church and my church policies and doctrines should decide public policy in this country because i also believe <laughs> i also believe strongly in the freedom of religion right and i believe strongly in the separation of church and state so so i don't think anyone's religious doctrines should inform public policy but we all know people's faith informs oftentimes how they think about the world but thank you so let me let me just ask you a follow-up sure. because I know you're a practicing Catholic um, uh, at your're deeply involved in your parish um, your party the Democratic Party is at odds with your church mm-hmm. on a number of subjects but let's just let's just talk about uh, abortion right. now abortion rights groups consistently consider you an ally mm-hmm. but as a Catholic is this something that you struggle with at all I don't struggle with it as a matter of public policy at all I'm pro-choice and I so- <laughs> And I completely support a a woman's uh, decision to make her own reproductive decisions about her own body. Fully. So I don't struggle with that.
0: Uh, I don't struggle with that. Uh, I strongly believe in the separation between church and state. Uh, I'm a Catholic. This guy, I wanted to play this whole thing because this is the standard trope you get from the leftists who want to straddle the fence, right? They want to all pretend that they're religious, yet they want to justify their positions which go completely against their religion, like abortion. This is how these pro-choice Democrats who pretend to be religious, especially the Catholics, Get around their support for abortion. And don't give me a woman's right to choose. Let's just be honest. Hey, that's why you come here. We're going to be honest. This has nothing to do with a woman's right to choose. How to, you know, choose, make choices about their reproduction and their reproductive health, right? They, they made a choice when they chose to engage in reproductive activity. That was the choice that they made. They had a choice to engage in such activity or not to engage in such activity. And if they were going to engage in such activity, they had a choice whether to do so in such a way as to prevent pregnancy or not. They made a bunch of choices. They had all kinds of choices about their reproductive health. They made a lot of decisions that none of us wanted to be involved in. But this has nothing to do with being pro-choice. This has to do with killing a baby that you don't find to be convenient to your life after you have already made your choices. You don't want a kid, don't do the deed. But if you really gotta do the deed, then do it in such a way that you don't bring a kid into this world. You don't get to be irresponsible and then selfish and then murder a baby. Well, I guess you do because we allow it. But this is how Democrats, these pro-choice, phony religious Democrats, square that circle. They say, well, you know, um, I'm, I'm very religious. I'm Catholic, and as I told you to ask me, Jake, Jake Tapper, I told you to preface your question to me by saying that I'm very active in my church, which of course I am. I'm there all the time. But I'm so I'm very, very religious. But I, I don't want to impose my religion on other people, you see. Because separation of church and state, that's paramount in in our constitutional republic. Separation of church and state. So therefore, I can't impose my religion on you. Now, let's unpack that, shall we? Because this separation of church and state thing is a myth. It's a lie. There is no... Separation of church and state in the Constitution. Nowhere won't find it. Those words do not appear. Where that comes from is the First Amendment Establishment Clause. Congress shall make no law respecting an establishment of religion. Period. Or as John Delaney would say, Full stop. Full false, false stop. Full stop. So, Congress shall make no law respecting an establishment of religion. Period. That's it. Does that say anything about separation between church and state? No. That came from a letter. It's it's not in the Constitution. Okay? What it means is very clear. It means that the Congress shall not establish a religion. The Congress of the United States is not allowed to set up the Church of the United States. The states are not free to set up churches of those states. You know, the colonists came from England, where they had a state-run church, the Church of England. They didn't want that here. They wanted free exercise of religion. They wanted the government out of it. They didn't want the government setting up a religion and then making you be a part of it. That's all it means It means the government cannot establish a religion. But that's not what it means anymore. Now we took that. Why can't we just take phrases that are in the Constitution and apply those? No, because that doesn't work. That doesn't support the left. The actual context, the actual words and plain meaning of the Constitution do not get them where they want to go. So they look for other words to supplant the actual words that are in the Constitution. So they use this separation of church and state language. Well that's a hell of a lot better than Congress shall make no law respecting an establishment of religion because that just doesn't go far enough for us. That's not anti-religion enough for us. There's got to be a separation! You can't talk about religion! Only we can talk about religion when we're using it to bash conservatives because then we can talk about religion. But so they use the separation of church and state instead of the words that are actually in the Constitution, and they use it to drive all religion completely out of the public square. We're not talking about imposing religion on anybody. But what they do is any mention of religion is illegal. We're going to sue your ass if you mention religion in a public school. It's gotten so ridiculous that... Remember, I posted something... It was this year... About some public school teacher in, I think, Nebraska, maybe. This woman, such an anti-religious bigot, that not only did she not allow any discussion of Christmas in her class. And she was, she had like second graders, right? Or might have even been kindergartners, but it was young kids. This was elementary school. You can't talk about Christmas in our class. We're not going to have any Christmas tree decorations. We're not going to have candy canes. Don't you dare bring a candy cane into my classroom. And not only that, this woman banned the colors red and green from her classroom during the Christmas holiday season. Because they're too closely associated with Christmas, so she banned the colors. This is how insane it is. How does... Congress shall make no law respecting an establishment of religion have anything to do with banning red and green or banning Christmas tree or Santa in the classroom. How does having a Christmas tree and a Santa decoration in a classroom establish a religion? It doesn't, it's ridiculous. But that's how far they've twisted it. So these Democrats, they want it. They want it this way. They want it that way. I'm religious. I'm not going to oppose my religion. I'm super, you know, I'm super Catholic, but I'm for killing babies. These people, that anyone takes them seriously, it just blows my mind. It really does. I mean, I've been paying attention to this stuff closely for a very long time. And still, these people just blow my mind. The mental gymnastics, they have to go. They care nothing about the logic behind what they're saying they care nothing about the principles of anything they have to say they don't care about principles the end result is all that matters so they give lip service to be in the religious to being religious so that they can you know appeal to moderates who aren't completely unhinged anti-religious bigots so they can appeal to those people but also say you know that's how I am not for killing babies personally personally because I'm very religious don't you know but, I'm all for killing babies as a public figure, so I'm gonna let you kill babies all you want. But I'm gonna say when I go to church, I'm gonna pretend I'm against it. See, that's how, that's how that works. But it's also funny if you notice the guy said something about, uh, oh yeah, my my deep faith. Oh, I'm very religious. I'm very religious, don't you know? And uh, you know, my my deep my deep and abiding faith it uh, informs my social justice. Orientation. Oh, well, isn't that convenient? So, on the one hand, your deep and abiding faith in Catholicism, right? You're such a deep, deep Catholic. Your religion informs your social justice orientation, and you got no problem pushing that on all of us, but your faith is not allowed to inform your position on killing babies, right? So, again, they want it both ways. They want it this way, that way, another way. doesn't matter. I mean, there's no limit to the number of ways these people want it. Whatever they got to say to whoever they're talking to get their vote, that's all that matters. And the only way they're allowed to, you know, really to get by with this is because the media is on their side. If we had a real media... These people would ask the logical questions that expose the hypocrisy. You can't make such blatantly hypocritical statements without some question about it. If you're a Republican, but Democrats all day long, they're just this. They say one thing, the next sentence contradicts what they just said. A third sentence contradicts both of those things. And not a single question from Jake Tapper or any other of these hacks in the media. Okay. One other guy I want to get to. Actually, I got two. Jay Inslee, another guy you probably don't know. This is the governor or former governor of Washington, another guy with delusions of grandeur. And as I said, you know, you gotta be a victim. Oh, you gotta be a victim. And you gotta be a victim. You have to be the right kind of victim and you have to be the victim of the right kind of people. So, what you need to do is find a way to be a victim of white males, straight white males, because those are the most evil members of our society. Everyone knows that. Straight white males. So if you can be a victim of that group of people, then you're, you're scot-free. You don't got to worry about your privilege or anything like that. Okay, You're made in the shade. So that's what you—that's what you gotta strive to be: a victim of a white male, straight white male. But what to do if you are a straight white male? Ooh, that's a—that's a head scratcher, and that's the problem for Jay Inslee. See, he's white, he's male, and he like the ladies. Now that's a problem. Now if you're white and you're male and you like the fellas. Well then, that's okay. You're cool. Just ask Pete Butterpuke. But, you like the ladies, that ain't so good. So, that's the problem Jay Inslee needs to overcome if he's going to get the Democrat nomination for president. So, how is he going to do it? Well, he's going to suck up to the mob. That's what he's going to do. He's going to apologize for his race. He's going to apologize for his sex. And before long, he's going to have to apologize for liking boobies if he knows what's good for him. But he hasn't gotten to that one yet, but he has gotten to the apologies for being white and male. So let's hear what uh, Governor Inslee has to say to suck up to the left-wing mob he helped create and try to have some relevance inside the Democrat Party.
3: Okay, that's fair enough. Uh, Last question, sir. You're joining the most diverse Democratic presidential field in history. Our new CNN Des Moines Register poll shows that only 38 percent of likely Democratic caucus goers in Iowa say they would be satisfied with a straight white male nominee. So why are you as a straight white male the right person to lead the Democratic Party if there's so much skepticism from Democrats in Iowa?
4: I think that I have evinced uh, a humility about being a straight white male, that I've never experienced uh, discrimination like so many do. I've never been pulled over as an African-American teenager by an officer driving through a white neighborhood. I've never been a a woman and been talked over in a meeting. So I approach this with humility, and that's why I've been so dedicated through a 25-year public career of advancing justice in our society, of making sure that we have as much diversity as in the 2,000 people I've appointed, and we've done really well in that regard, of making sure that people who work for me have to go through implicit bias training so that they understand how implicit bias can really discriminate against. Us. Doing criminal justice reform, where I just uh, offered a pardon to 3,000 people with their marijuana convictions, because that's been part of the racial disparity that we've experienced, uh, is because of the drug war. So during my time in office, uh, I have been very, very committed uh, to making this a more just and open and tolerant society. And that's one of the reasons Washington is so successful. I was the first governor who stood up against the Muslim ban. That got me in the, just got my blood boiling. So I stand up against this anywhere I see it, and I think people will see that when they get to know me.
3: All right, Governor Inslee, good luck out there on the campaign trail. That, we will see you. Out. Well, you know, Jake, uh,
0: I, have, uh, I have always evinced a humility about being a straight white male, you know, and... Um, and I'm sorry that I'm white, and uh, I'm sorry that I like chicks, and, you know, but I've always, I've always tried to make up for that, you know, that's why, if you're going to work for me, you know, when I was governor, anyone's going to work for me, they're going to undergo implicit bias training, so I can make sure that all the white folks who work for me know that they're a bunch of racists, so, uh, yeah, so I've done that, and uh, what other boxes have I checked, and, you know, I, you know, I'm not a young black male, but I, you know, I know how, how they are often, uh, discri- always, always, did I say often, always, always discriminated against and always pulled over by racist white cops. And so, uh, that's why I let them all out of jail when I was uh, governor because, uh, implicit bias and, uh, sorry, did I apologize for being white? I, you know, I'm sorry. I'm white, uh, male, uh, oh, God, I'm awful. Please, please, I just want to be president. You know, I have a suggestion for Governor Inslee because I don't think this sort of shameless pandering is going to get him there. So he needs to do something a little more bold. I suggest that he should go uh, put himself through some conversion therapy. You know, we've, we've heard in the past about conversion therapy for kids who are uh, homosexual. And their parents their parents think that it's a problem. And uh, so they want them to, to go through therapy to try to get rid of their homosexuality. I think Governor Inslee needs to go through the opposite kind of conversion therapy. He should check himself. He should do it like rehab. He should make a big production of it. This will get him news headlines. He'll be totally woke. Totally woke. He should hold a press conference and announce that he is putting himself into conversion therapy. He's taken two weeks off the campaign trail. He's checking into therapy, rehab, so to speak. He's checking into male, g- gay, well, let me try that again. He's checking into heterosexual rehab. And he's going to undergo conversion therapy so that when he comes out, he won't be a straight white male he will be a gay white male and now he will have sufficiently atoned for his sin of being a straight white male and that should catapult him at least to the top 50 candidates running for president So, I hope you're listening to the podcast Governor Inslee or someone on your staff I think this is a winning ticket you should do this. Okay? Conversion therapy. Check yourself into uh, heterosexual rehab for some conversion therapy. That's the way to go. Okay, what else should I say about uh, Jay... Nah, I don't want to talk about Jay Inslee anymore. Now, uh, there was one other leftist that I wanted to discuss today, but I've gone way longer on the uh, these other leftists I've already touched on. So I'm going to save... Julián Castro and his call for reparations for next time. Uh, I have a special sort of disdain for Julián Castro, so I want to give him the time and attention that he deserves. You know, I lived in San Antonio for several years while this douchebag was mayor, and so I have some insight to this guy and uh, I really can't stand them. So we'll talk about him next time. Now, I posted on Twitter this morning, you know, if anyone had any comments or questions that they'd like me to address on the podcast. And I wanted to get to a couple. And uh, there were a lot of good ones. Some of them sucked, but there were a lot of good ones. And I can't get to all of them um and so there's a couple here that i will try to get to in future episodes or i might do a bonus episode by the way not all my podcasts uh are here on whatever platform you're listening to this on there are also bonus episodes of the podcast for members only over at patreon just for just five bucks a month you can help support the show uh as you know we don't have any advertisers It's all listener-funded, and uh, as part of the $5 a month, and you can contribute more if you wish, but as part of the $5 a month, you get access to all the bonus stuff, Uh, and so if you want to hear some of that stuff, go over to patreon.com slash markpantano, sign up so you don't miss anything, and in fact, I might continue today's episode over on Patreon because I'm just not going to be able to get to everything, but I wanted to get to a couple of these questions, so. The first one I wanted to discuss is from uh, my buddy Rick on Twitter. He wants me to discuss the BS National Popular Vote Compact and what can be done to fight it. Well, okay, the National Popular Vote Compact. As you know, Democrats hate the Constitution, and they will subvert it, destroy it, damage it, get around it, whatever it takes for whatever parts of the Constitution are a problem to them, they're going to try to get around. And so uh, the Electoral College has been a problem for them in recent years. You know George W. Bush lost the popular vote but won the White House. Donald Trump lost the popular vote but won the White House. And that's all due to the Electoral College, which awards a state's electoral votes on the basis of Their individual state vote. Okay, so we don't factor in the national vote at all. So it doesn't matter that Hillary Clinton may or may not have gotten two to four million more votes than Donald Trump in 2016. That doesn't matter. We don't look at the national popular vote. We go state by state. Who won this state? Who won that state? You win this state by one vote, it doesn't matter. You get all those states' electoral votes. Now, there's a couple of states that do it a little differently. I think Maine is one where they uh, award the electoral votes based on congressional districts so you can you know if a democrat wins this congressional district in the state of maine and a republican wins the other congressional district in the state of maine they each leave with some electoral votes but in most states it's winner take all so you win by win one vote you win the whole thing and so that's you know democrats hate that because they have huge number advantages in these big huge left wing states like New York and California. And so that's how they're able to run up their national vote total and lose the popular and uh, lose the electoral college. So they got to get rid of that. They want the elector uh the, boy, I'm getting ahead of myself. They want the national vote, the popular vote. The hell with this electoral college crap. They want the national popular vote to determine who the president wins because we're going to have an easier time winning that. So that's what they want to do. And how they're trying to get around this is the only way you're going to get rid of the Electoral College is with a constitutional amendment. Well, they're never going to get that. So they've got to come up with something else. Now, the Electoral College doesn't necessarily mandate what we are doing right now in terms of winner-take-all. As you can see, like I said, Maine does it a little differently than some of the other states. It's not winner-take-all up there. So the Electoral College doesn't mandate that those th- things all be the same. What the Electoral College does is it gives the Constitution, gives the states the ability to determine how to apportion their electors. Okay? Each state has a certain number of electors. And that's determined by the number of uh, delegates in the Congress they have. So you take the two senators and the number of congressmen, you add those up, that's your number of electoral votes, okay? And each state under the Constitution has the ability to determine how those electors are going to be apportioned in a presidential election. Now, most of the states, like I said, just say whoever wins the popular vote of the state gets all of the electors. What this national popular vote compact seeks to do is once they get enough states to agree to do this, then they can determine who the president is going to be based on the national popular vote, no matter what their state did. So under this scenario, if a state agrees to this, then they will award their electors to whoever wins the national popular vote, regardless of how their state voted so for example say the state of Ohio was a part of this and that state in uh, the next election votes for Donald Trump under our current system Ohio would then award all of their electors to Donald Trump but suppose that we have the same sort of thing again where the Democrat nominee actually wins the national popular vote well Then under this compact, this agreement between the states, Ohio would not apportion their electors to Donald Trump, who won the state of Ohio. They would apportion their electors to the Democrat candidate who won the national popular vote. And as long as you had enough states that represented at least 270 electoral votes, if you had enough of those states to come together... To accumulate 270 electoral votes, if they all agreed to award their electors to whoever won the national popular vote, then that's they, they would control the election. They would have officially, you know, gone around our current electoral college system, and that's that's perfectly constitutional because the Constitution doesn't require us to do it the way we're doing it right now. It just gives the states the ability to determine it, and if enough states decide to do this then they can do it. Now, a compact is an agreement between the states. And in order for the states to officially enter into a compact with one another, they have to get the approval of the Congress. So they can't just do this on their own. If they get enough states to reach 270 electoral votes, it still needs to be approved by Congress. Now, that being said, that's just to officially do it as a compact. They can all just kind of do it as a, with a handshake and a wink. I mean, they could change their own state's laws to, a, to award the electors to whoever wins the national popular vote. And then if enough of them do that, official compact or not, they can still affect the outcome of the presidential election. So what can we do about it? Well, we can't really do anything about it other than how we fight all of these political battles, and that is simply is to fight these political battles. The good thing about this sort of a battle is the turf, the battlefield, if you will, is in the states. You have to lobby your state legislators, and they are much more accessible to you. Okay, They represent far fewer people than your congressman or your senator so you have a a much better chance of getting a sit down with one of these yahoos you know you you have a much better chance of emailing them and having them see it calling them and talking to them going to their office and talking to them putting pressure on them getting groups of people to put pressure on them you know phone campaigns all these kinds of things are are much more effective against state legislators than they are against members of the united states congress So that's where, that's the one good thing, is that the battlefield is local. It's at the state level. Uh, But there's no silver bullet here. We're not going to be able to stop this with a lawsuit. It's actually constitutional for them to do this. Because as I say, the way we currently do it is not required by the Constitution. It just gives the states the authority to determine on their own how they're going to ward their electors. So, hope that answers the question and we'll probably talk more about this if this movement continues to gain steam. Now the other one I wanted to discuss comes from Tim and Rachel. I don't know which one of them wrote it, but it's from their joint account. And uh by the way, thank you Rick for the question. I appreciate it. If you have any follow-ups, if I didn't answer everything correctly, you have a follow-up question, try to shoot that to me over on Twitter and uh I may or may not see it, but if I do, I'll try to answer your follow-up. Tim and Rachel ask, I'm worried about being disarmed one day. That's a very legit worry. This scares me more than anything. Can this really happen even if you live in a red state? Well, the simple answer to that question is absolutely uh, yes. That can happen. I worry about being disarmed one day it would have to be forcibly because i ain't voluntarily disarming myself but yeah uh, it absolutely could happen (sighs) but mark but mark we have a second amendment and they can't take away guns i like to tell people that the problem with the constitution is that it cannot enforce itself You can write the most perfect document that man has ever created in the history of the world. But what you cannot write is a self-enforcing document. We people have to enforce the Constitution. It falls on us. It falls on the politicians. It falls on elected members of Congress, your governor, the supreme court unfortunately all these people take an oath to preserve protect and defend the constitution they all have a uh, an obligation that comes with their office to preserve protect and defend the constitution but we have gotten so far away from that we we seem to think that the only people in our entire you know governmental system charged with defending the constitution and interpreting it is the Supreme Court of the United States. Well, that's BS. You will not find that anywhere in the Constitution. If that were true, then why does every member of the government take a, a, an oath to preserve, protect, and defend the Constitution if they have no obligation to do that? It makes no sense. I'm getting a little bit off course. Let me just answer your question more uh, succinctly. Yes, we can lose our rights to keep and bear arms, and how it would happen is that the, well, you're, you might be thinking, well, they're, they're never going to amend the Constitution to repeal the Second Amendment. They don't have to. The Constitution, the Second Amendment is an impediment to them disarming the American people. But they don't have to repeal the Second Amendment in order to get around the Second Amendment. All they have to do is ignore the Second Amendment. And the Supreme Court already ignores a whole hell of a lot of the Constitution. They either ignore parts of the Constitution, which are right there, or they take parts of the Constitution, which are there, and just give them a completely different meaning. Like, as we discussed, the Establishment Clause of the First Amendment. Well, you know, it says Congress shall make no law respecting an establishment of religion, but that really doesn't help us out so much. So we're just going to pretend that it says separation of church and state. So much so that the Supreme Court uses that ridiculous phrase. Nowhere in the Constitution, but you'll see it in Supreme Court opinions. They'll do the same thing. Oh, look at look at abortion. You're gonna find abortion in the Constitution? No. You can't even look to a specific provision of the Constitution and say, well, this specific provision, uh, while it doesn't say abortion, it must encompass abortion. No. So made up was abortion that they took like a whole bunch of different amendments and said, well, if you kind of consider them all together, they kind of give off these emanations and penumbras which would cover abortion. I'm not making this stuff up. That's how they got to abortion. It's absurd. The point is the Supreme Court will say that the Constitution means whatever the hell they want it to mean hell with the actual text of the constitution. They'll just reinterpret it. They don't need no stinking amendment. If they don't like the second amendment, all they need to do is say that it means something other than what it actually does say. And how can they do that? Well, all they need is a one vote majority. So if the Democrats ever get a five, four majority on the Supreme court and they take up a gun case, they can just say, well, you know, the Supreme Court and Heller got the Second Amendment all wrong. We're overruling that case. We're overturning Heller and its progeny. And what we're going to say is the Second Amendment doesn't mean at all that you have an individual right to keep and bear arms. Okay? Tim and Rachel, you guys don't have a right on your own. You, Tim, and you, Rachel, do not have a right. To keep and bear arms. No, 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 no. See, it says, it says militia. Militia. See, it doesn't say Tim and Rachel. No, it says militia. So, unless you are in a militia, you have no right to keep and bear arms. And not only that, it says a well-regulated militia. And of course, even though the word regulated doesn't mean what I'm about to say it means, what. Well, this is what we're going to say. See, regulated actually means, you know, in terms of uh, 2019 speak, regulations, government. Oh, so well-regulated means controlled by the government. Okay. It didn't mean that at the time it was written, but we're going to say that well-regulated means controlled by the government. So unless you are in a state controlled militia, then you have no right to keep and bear arms. So that's it. Sorry. Okay. Now that's what they will do. That's how they will reinterpret the second amendment. They'll just, they'll simply say there's no individual right to keep and bear arms. The only people the second amendment applies to are people who are actively serving in a state controlled militia. And if you're not, then you have no individual right to keep and bear arms. So how would the, uh, the disarming of the American people happen? How could it happen? Well, the Congress would just write a law. Once the uh, Supreme Court issues an opinion that says you have no individual right to keep and bear arms, that the Second Amendment only applies to people who are actively uh, actively serving in a state-controlled militia, then the states, localities, and the federal government are all free to write whatever kind of gun control laws that they want, including the outright ban on all firearms. That would be completely legal if the Supreme Court were to go down this road. And so it doesn't matter at that point if you live in a red state. The people in your state, the politicians in your state, might not pass this kind of a law. You know, they might not pass a law banning the private possession of firearms. But the federal government might and if it's ever controlled by Democrats, the federal government almost certainly will. And let's be honest, if we ever get to the point where we have a Democrat leftist majority on the Supreme Court, then what will have happened is we will have had, you know, a good run of Democrat presidents. The country has probably moved much further to the left. And uh, at the time we get that kind of a Supreme Court opinion, we're probably going to have a federal government that would do that, that would pass that kind of a law banning, you know, an outright ban on all firearms. And of course, they, they, they might not do it all at once. First, they'll go for, quote unquote, assault weapons. Then they'll just continue to expand the definition of assault weapons because, you know, that's just a made up term. So they'll ban assault weapons. They'll make up some definition of what assault, an assault weapon is. And then, you know, every so often, you know, like every other month, they will expand the definition of assault weapon to cover more and more firearms. So more and more firearms will be banned and banned and banned and banned. And then they'll just, you know, once they've softened up the public enough, they'll just outright ban whatever's left. And they'll make it some sort of, you know, felony equivalent to murder. And uh, if you are ever found in possession of a... uh, bolt action 22 rifle that your great grandfather gave you in 1975 well then you know you'll probably be looking at 20 years to life in a federal prison so that's what they'll do that's how it would happen that's how it could happen and if we don't fight these leftists tooth and nail and win in 2020 i think that that's what is going to happen because let me tell you let me paint the real picture for you You see what kind of a problem we have with illegal immigration right now. We got Trump in office. We've never had a president more opposed to illegal immigration than President Trump. And yet, look at the numbers flowing over our border with Trump in office. Imagine if Kamala Harris is the president in January 2021. She's going to throw those borders open, invite the world to just come over at will. She's going to tell ICE to stand down. And it's not just Kamala Harris. It would be any of them on the left. They're all of this mind. Four years of that? Forget about it. These millions, tens and tens of millions of illegal aliens coming over. Whether we give them amnesty or not, they're eventually going to be dropping kids over here. And all of those kids are going to be American citizens because we have insane laws that allow for that. And so eventually it's only a matter of time and math to see what's going to happen. The Democrats are going to control everything. It is just a matter of time unless we get control of the southern border. And Trump being reelected in 2020 and us getting back control of the House of Representatives and actually holding these damn Republicans accountable and making them secure our border is the only way we're going to avoid all of this. We are this close, I am holding my fingers like a centimeter apart. We are this close to losing several states that we need in order to win the White House. And I'm telling you, Texas is the crown jewel. This South by Southwest conference full of leftist nuts going on in Austin right now, that's going on in Texas. Okay? And if you don't think that Texas could fall to the left, you're not paying attention. Texas is close. It's way closer than a lot of people realize. Now, I don't know that it's going to fall in 2020. I don't think it's going to fall in 2020. But after 2020, I have zero confidence that we're going to continue to hold the state of Texas. I am very fearful that we have one or two more election cycles at the presidential level where we win Texas. I don't think any more than two. After that, I think Texas falls to the left. Unless we put an end to this illegal immigration and we amend our existing laws. We got to get rid of this ridiculous birthright citizenship nonsense. And we need to start repairing the damage that we've done to ourselves. Because if not, we're losing Texas, we're losing Arizona, we are losing Georgia, we are losing North Carolina, and we're losing Florida. Among others. And that's going to happen real soon. So, yeah, disarmed, you bet we will be disarmed or they will at least try to disarm us uh, by passing these kinds of laws. And that's how they would do it. We'll get into this more on another occasion. But thank you, Tim and Rachel, for that question. But I need to go ahead and end this here. I am going to continue the conversation right now over on Patreon. Uh, I have a couple things I want to discuss, including Nancy Pelosi recently commenting that she is not going to pursue impeachment of the president. I've got some thoughts about that that I'm going to share with you um, and some other things. So if you want to hear that, head on over to patreon.com slash markpantano uh, and become a member. That way you don't miss anything anything. And if you enjoy the podcast, do me a favor, please help me promote it so that I can keep this thing going. If you listen on iTunes or Apple podcasts or whatever the hell it's called now, if you would drop a positive review over there, that would be greatly appreciated. But for now, thank you all for listening. I greatly appreciate it. And until the next time, remember, continue to fight the left like your freedom depends on it. Because as you can see, it does.